hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. I'm so glad that you're here and we're streaming live as well. So welcome from wherever you are in the world watching. As we continue on uh, our second to last uh, sermon in our Ship Shape series. I remember starting this almost seven or eight weeks ago, right after holidays, as I remember going to Motueka, on the road to Motueka, there was this um, wreck out in the, in the ocean, and I started to see how sometimes that is an image of our spiritual lives our, our, and our lives as Christians, as followers of Jesus. And areas of our life where I feel like we ship, need to sh- get it ship shape. A lot of S's on that one. And one of the areas that I wanted to talk about this morning was sonship. As we, especially as we start, this is called Holy Week, for, uh, if, you're, if you don't know. Um, today is actually Palm Sunday. Historically, as Jesus was coming into the city, people were laying down palm fronds in front of him, and they would be yelling and screaming on the highest of their lungs, saying, Hosanna in the highest, which means save us. So here this Savior, as they were proclaiming it, declaring it, was coming in, and only a week later, on Friday, we will observe Good Friday where, there, where the dictation had changed, the, the declaration had changed from save us to crucify him. I encourage you to come to our Good Friday service. It's a bilingual service with JCF, so we're going to, uh, as a family, integrate our, our two congregations. But it's also open to the city. To encourage to bring your friends. It's a, it's a more reflective service. As we look at the narrative of when Jesus was not just crucified, but how it all started, how it came to a place of him being. We don't, but we had a bouncy castle. Uh, anyways, so enjoy coming, uh, and we're gonna have uh, lamb and ciabatta buns. I'm so excited for that. So we're going to have good kai and good fun, so make sure you bring your family and your friends to Easter. Today's text, if you have your Bibles with you, um, I want to just go into the Gospel of Luke, um, the Gospel of Luke, and this is an iconic piece of scripture that we're going to look at this morning. And this is Luke 15, verses 11 just to 24. Now, He says, he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the property that is coming to me, and he divided the property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine across that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him 
anything. But, and this is the, I believe, the hinge of this gospel story. He says, but when he came to himself, and some versions it says, and when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I, I will perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I'll say to him, don't we all have these these kind of conversations that we do in our heads. I'm going to fix this. He says, I will rise and go to my father and I'll say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Technically, he's right. Treat me as just one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still far away off, his father saw him. Now, interesting, just the context of this. The father saw him. What does that mean that the father was doing? He was looking for him. He wasn't just kind of like, well, he'll come when he comes. Every day that father would get up and he would survey his property. And he saw him. And what happened? Did he sit in judgment and go, well, he knows what he needs to do. He felt compassion. And then what did he do? He picked up, you know, because they wore a lot of heavy robes. They picked up and he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and the shoes on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and party or celebrate. For this is my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate, to party. Some of the theological observations that I have very quickly is, is the sonship, or what we call the biblical version of sonship is adoption, is what has happened here in the gospel text. There's a high level of grace. What is grace, Pastor John? That's a good question. Grace is undeserved merit and favor. The son didn't deserve it. When he said to his dad, I wish you were dead, I want my inheritance. That's basically what he said. Because that's what you do. You have to wait till your mom and dad die so they can get the house. So when the son did, he's like, look, if you could die right now, then I can have my money. Back then, the father could have said, oh, you wicked child, and just stoned him right there. But he gave it to him. Did he deserve to even have a, uh, a communication to even come before his dad at that point? No. Because in his thinking, he's like, if I could just get a job on the farm, I've lost the whole sonship thing. And God, like the father, God runs out to you and to me, and he embraces you. 
You made that decision to to renounce sin and say, God, I want to live for you. And God runs out. He embraces you. And adoption, in this case, spiritually, is that right relationship, restoring us 100%, no strings attached. And he gives us the authority again, the robe. He gives us the ring of inheritance and the shoes of purpose. Now, some of you guys have heard this story so many times. But I, wanted to, I want to switch it up a bit. Because I've invited my, one of our pastors, a friend of mine. I want to bring Nathan Ellis up. And I want Nathan just to give us a bit of a story of how God had transformed his life through the ministry of Sancho. Put your hands together for Nathan Ellis. <laughs> Kia ora. Kia ora. Thanks, John. Yep. Good morning, everyone. That's good. Thanks, Ken. Always hear your voice. It's good to see you dancing this morning. It's great. Amen. I love it. I love watching Ken dancing and clapping and getting amongst it all. It's so good. Well, John's invited me up here to share a little bit of my testimony, just a little bit. If you wanted to hear the whole thing, you might have to stay for a sausage chisel or something. I don't know. (laughs) But... Yeah, I'm just going to share a little bit, give a little bit of context to some of the story and then just share part of some of my testimony. So I grew up in a beautiful home with my mum and dad and brothers and sisters, and my parents were amazing, loving, caring parents. Um, Both followed the Lord, believed in Him, and we we went to church each day, uh, each Sunday, not every day, but uh, (laughs) hey. And so I grew up in this family, in this place where I was just surrounded by love, by care, by parents that invested into us, that took care of us, that gave us unlimited access to pretty much whatever we wanted to, whether it's sports, whether it's music, and anything we wanted, they gave us the ability to do it. It was pretty spectacular and amazing that we had that opportunity. But... um, as youth and young people, you don't really see what your parents do. You just think, oh, whatever, um, quite often. <laughs> and so growing up, when I was in my high school years, I didn't really belong in my family as a, a lot. I was, I was there. I was present with my family a lot of the time, but I wasn't mentally present. I wasn't emotionally present. I wasn't fully there. My mind and myself wanted to be elsewhere. It was this continual um, longing and wanting to be away from them, not to actually be with them. There was this part of me that just always wanted to escape, to get away, to be somewhere else, to not be with them, even though they had provided this amazing care and love, kind of like this story here, that he had everything he needed there, but I just didn't want to be a part of that. I was like, no, I just want to get up and go and be a part of something else. And so this one time when uh, no one was actually home at the time, but I was really upset, really emotional, really not feeling um, like being a part of the family, I got up, packed a bag, and I left. Uh, Went and went to my girlfriend's place at the time, and I thought I had gotten away from my parents, and I was, you know, free, turned off the phone, couldn't get any texts or calls or anything, even though they would have been trying. And after quite a long time, I think that 
towards the end of that day, they f- my dad finally got the contact details for my girlfriend's mum at the time, who she was staying with. And um, she was just like, your dad's called and he's just really concerned about you. He just wants to know that you're okay. And he just wants to have a chat with you. So is it okay if he comes out and just has a quick chat with you? So my dad left town, came flying all the way out to, probably speeding, but <laughs> came flying all the way out to me where I was, which was like an hour and a half out of town where they were. And yeah, he just came and came up to me and he said, look, we just need to have a talk about what's going on here. Um, I want to take you back home and then we'll sit down, have a chat, and if you still want to come back here at the end of this, um, our conversation, then I'll bring you back. So we went home, sat down and have a chat, and I thought that I was just going to get grilled, <laughs> that David and Mum were just going to rip me to pieces, and they were just going to be so angry and annoyed and frustrated at me. But there was just none of that. It was just this complete love and care and support. And they just sat me down and said, can you just tell us what's going on? Like, what's happening in your life? You, you just need to communicate to us and tell us this. And so throughout this conversation, I kind of, I came, came to my senses in a lot of ways that I hadn't before. I would always see my dad as a really scary figure and you shouldn't do anything wrong and he's going to smack you or something. But in that moment, in that time, sitting with my parents and talking, I just saw the side to my dad and my mum that they just so cared for me and that they had given me so much. And at the end of the conversation, my dad was like, well, we can take you back if you want, but if that's your case, we're going to have to do things differently. Because if you're choosing not to be a part of this family, to be away from this family, then we can't be, we can't be running around chasing after you, trying to get you all the time. Um, so he said, if you want to, you can, you can go, but we're going to change things. But if, you, if you're going to stay, you can stay, and we're going to keep on loving, supporting you, giving you everything that you need, and it far more abundantly than you, I even deserved. And so, yeah, through that whole situation of me trying to run away to leave, I ended up coming to my senses and realizing the goodness that I had there with my family, how much they loved and cared for me, and it wasn't long after then when, because I grew up in a Christian home, I did know about God, I, but it wasn't my own faith. But after going through this journey with my parents, it's right then and, and that time shortly after that I, my faith became real for me. It became my faith. It wasn't just going to church each, day, each week and just taking on my parents' faith as such. But it became so real for me, and it changed the way I saw God, and it changed so many things for me. I saw God as such a loving, caring person, uh, being that just wanted me and wanted to love me and wanted a relationship with me. And through that situation with my parents, and I, that just changed my perspective of God so much, and it just became so real for me. So that's just a little bit of my testimony. Amen. Amen. Thanks. So... Thanks for sharing, Nathan. And I guess the, the follow-up question I have with you is, is, so if there are people here today that resonate, they ring, sing, or even the story stings them a bit, what would you, what would you encourage these folks and the people online to, to, to hear with this story and with your story kind of connecting? Like, what would you encourage them with? 
dig in, get to know God. I, I th- learn from each, the people next to you. There's so much richness and so much that we can learn and be taught and we can see if we just look. I didn't, I, I was in the middle of this loving family that we just had so, everything that we needed and so much more. And I didn't see it because I wasn't looking. But if I had looked and took the time to see what my parents were doing, and even those around me, cousins and aunties and uncles, if I looked and saw, I would have just been able to see this richness, this goodness. Um, but I just was blinded by that in my own path and my own desires of what I wanted. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, I, I like this acronym I, I, I put together. It was um, STOP. You know, stop, think, and observe, and pray. I know it was like a survival thing I learned in the Army. Uh, it, it was stop, think, observe, plan. But, I, 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 but I, I really believe that. I think there's a moment where that we, and I have a similar kind of story as well, where I had to stop. I had to like stop what I was doing. And, and, and in the story, the, the, the younger son stops and he thinks he's like, first of all, I'm with pigs. You know, for a, for a Hebrew, that is like unclean animals. Like, how did it get to the point where I'm now eating the food of pigs, unclean with unclean? And so there's a moment where he had to stop everything, stop the presses, stop my thinking, stop my, 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 my compromising. And then thinking, there's, there was a thought process. He was starting to, he, you know how he was thinking, like, if I just get a job in the farm and the, but... God's ways are not our ways. And so sometimes you, part of stopping is you have to think outside. Because you were thinking like, oh, dad's going to like, like be, <laughs> be wrath, right? And sometimes our thinking is our own undoing, isn't it? But all of a sudden you come in and you're open. You heard your parents and what you thought didn't happen. And God, and God is this, this icon. Your dad was, was being loving and, and like the father here was showing compassion. And he, he was seeking you out, right? Like he wasn't just going, well, I'll just wait until he comes home. He was looking for you. And then observe, right? You were observing what the options were. Isn't that amazing how God's give, gift to you is free will? That he gives you the opportunity to either choose it might be a really big open door, or sometimes it's just a wee gate. But usually God's the wee gate, isn't it? And there's an observation, like your dad's like, so if you keep, it, we'll dr- I like how he even said, I'll drive you back, but things are going to change. Isn't that the truth about God? If you choose to continue to do this sin cycle, this iniquity, this bentness, I love you. Things are going to change. I'll always love you, but things are going to change. But he says, but if you hear, nothing changes. God is the immutable God. He is, he's unchanging. My love, my acceptance, my, my, my care for you, my gentleness, my, my, uh, my fruit, the abundance, the favor, that never changes. And then pray. You had to prayerfully make a a change in your life. And I love what you said, that that, that became your faith. I've, I've kind of nicknamed it the piggyback faith. At one point, you're piggybacking on your dad and mom's faith. But there's a moment in that moment, you slid down and said, today's the day I have a faith for myself. And maybe you're still on a piggyback faith journey, which is okay. No condemnation. But maybe this is the day 
right before Easter, where you slide off your dad and your mom's back. You bless them saying, thanks, mom. Thanks, dad, for showing that for me. But today's the day I decide to follow Jesus. Good? Final mm. thoughts? It's good, thanks. Okay, you can just sit down. <laughs> My final thoughts, before, and I, I would love just the, the, the band to come up. I think we're going to sing that one song again. But don't wait till Easter to come back to the family of God. It's interesting how some people, they kind of wait for the Easter and the Christmas things. But don't wait. Today could be the day where you slid off and you, you have a faith for yourself. Easter is an amazing opportunity, folks, that you can bring your family and your friends to church, amen? Well, any Sunday is, but if you want a freebie, if you want a free pass, this is the time where you invite your friends and your family. This is like, and you can tell them that we're partying and we're having food and a bouncy castle, oh, it's only for children. Um, but it's an amazing opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I guess the last one I have for you, and you've already heard it this morning, is stop running away from God. God knows exactly where you are. And he is grace. And he wants you to know this morning that he loves you. And before you are a pastor, before you are a plumber, or a candlestick maker, or an ECE, or a doctor, guess what he calls you? He calls you son. Chew on that one for a second. Before he calls you a mother, or a brother, or a grandmother, he calls you daughter. Because I think sometimes we get caught up in all those labels. We get caught up in the the culture of honoring, oh, Reverend Dr. John Thwaites is going to come and speak. But first and foremost, I am a son. That's, my, that's the highest of my CV. When, I, when, when it comes to qualification, son. C.S. Lewis wrote it once. He goes, uh, in Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe, he says, we are all sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. And Aslan breathes over all of us. My heart, at the end of the day, is I want to be like your dad and run after my children and breathe life and grace and compassion over them. And instill them, saying, you are always first my son. You are always first my daughter. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.